0: This conference will now be recorded.
1: So nine simple steps to grow your own cover crop seed. I have been asked by a few people uh, about this topic. Um, And so I thought, well, this is a good time to to talk about it. And just as a, I guess you'd say as a refresher, I did have a similar topic, but different uh, previously last year. That one was how to grow your own cover crop seed legally. And that had more to do for those of you who want to grow your seed and sell it to other, other people, either your neighbor or grow it for a seed company and so forth. This is going to be more specifically direct, directly related to if you're a farmer or you're consulting for a farmer, how can you do this on your own farm to grow for your own seed? So uh, if you're looking into selling to other people, which is, which is great if you can do that, go back and listen to that other webinar because I'm not going to talk about the, what you need to do to be able to do that. And I, I will just say that if you are going to grow for your neighbor or a seed company, you do want to know some of the legal requirements that are out there. I, I will say with the increased use of cover crops, some of the state organizations or the overseeing uh, entities of, of seed uh, sales and so forth are, are kind of uh, perked up a little bit more of when farmers, quote unquote, brown bag seed or just sell it to their neighbors. Uh, and, and I will just say that one of the big concerns is that we don't move noxious weed seed around with the cover crops. So there's, there's a good reason for that. And it's also to protect everybody or at least an effort to protect everybody that they don't get uh, something that they're, they, they weren't expecting or something that's not uh, appropriate. So a little history for me. I have been growing uh, cover crop seed for a long time. Now, this is one of the pictures on my farm when I started growing some of my own hairy vetch seed. And any of you that know anything about hairy vetch knows that once it grows, it just basically falls in the ground. And it's almost impossible to harvest, especially if you're in the east like I do, and we get a lot of rain events and so forth. And it wasn't a disaster, but it was close. And uh, and and, I, and I'll just say that it was it was uh, through trial and error. I really didn't have many people to lean on. But what I discovered, and, and now is a more of a common practice if you want to grow it in the east and you don't have swathing equipment and so forth, is actually to grow your hairy vetch with a cereal rye or a triticale. So that is now the the way I do grow my vetch. You can see this picture here. This is one of my seed fields. So we're using the triticale in this case um, to help support the vetch so that we can grow the seed. So uh, this is, again, some of the things that I learned in, in how to do this in my uh, over 20 some years of growing my own seed uh, and I'll show you at the end here kind of my latest uh, method using this same concept with other uh, species the thing about it here is you can thrash out the triticale and or cereal rye and the hairy batch, similar settings in the combine so that is an important aspect of this I'm going to uh, dig into this a little bit more coming up but I just wanted to show you what some of my experience has been in doing this, uh, but maybe the the biggest thing for me was back in the early 2000s when I started using uh, the radishes. Uh, there was no radish seed to be found, so I started growing my own. And I happened to know some seed growers in Oregon. I got a few tips on that, and uh, nobody wanted to grow it for me out there at that time. Uh, so I started growing it myself, and I got to tell you, it was it was an on a nightmare. Um, didn't have the right combines, uh, adapt uh, things you need mechanically. It took us three hours from the point of going from just the pods going into the tank to finally getting them thrashed out. We literally had to get in there and adjust the concave, loosen the bolts and tap them up or, or, or put them up so that they were just about to actually they were tapping the rotor. Uh, and we pulled them back just a little bit in order to get these hard pods thrashed. I almost thought I had 10 acres of junk. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a fun story to tell now. We did be able to figure it out. And I fully understand now that uh, radishes take uh, special uh, components on a combine. We're going to show you some of them a little bit later on. So that's been some of my experience uh, in seed production. I uh, continue to this day. I've, I've grown a lot of my own seed that I can grow here. And uh, I'm going to talk from my own experience and also the experience of others. So why is there a reason to grow your cover crop seed? Pretty much it's trying to save some uh, money uh, on the seed costs. And uh, that's certainly a, a noble thing to do. Uh, and, and also there's sometimes where you may have specific genetics that you like, be it an oats or syrua rye, triticale, things like that and you just can't really get that anywhere or seed you've been growing for a while. So uh, it's a very good uh, thing to do, but I would also mention that there's some limitations and you wanna know what they are before you set out to do it. So small seeded cover crops like clovers and your ryegrass and radishes, for the most part, for the most part require specific harvesting equipment modifications. And if you're going to grow some of them, you want to know what you're doing before you start in a big way, at the very least. And also, some of these species require unique growing management procedures that most farmers are very unfamiliar with. So, uh, again, again, just to put a little caution out there, uh, there is definitely some limitations in what you can and cannot do in this. But having said that, lots of opportunities out there. So, uh, as previously mentioned, cereal, rye, triticale, and oats. Can be harvested with the same combine you use to do corn beans or wheat uh, not many changes need to be made to the combine a, a few things here and there you want to turn your fan speed down like for oats and it's a smaller seed just some pretty basic common sense things not hard to do uh, so if any farmer that's been and has been using grain wheat uh, with a few tweaks uh you don't there's there's not a big challenge in doing that and the other thing is, is the overall growing management is not too far off from most small grains. So it provides an opportunity. And I would say that this opportunity of growing some of these more popular cover crops tend, is growing. And with the, with the uh, increased use of cover crops, this year there's a shortage of cereal rye. And cereal rye is something that can practically be grown anywhere. So it's certainly an opportunity out there for someone who wants to branch out a little bit and grow their own seed. And I'll just mention too, maybe you want to sell it as well. So I got nine things today that I want to share with you that is important to understand before you set out to do this. And uh, the one I'm going to start out with is is genetics. So uh, we want to make sure that what you're Growing is worthy of the desired goals. Don't go rant, buy random oats from the local feed mill and expect it to have the awesome cover crop traits of oats. You never know what you may get it, be getting. When you when you're talking feed oats, there could be weeds in there. I have I have personally seen this uh, from a neighbor once. He asked me, he said he got this oats and he said, what's that growing in there? I said, it looks like mustard to me. And, I, and, and that's what it was. And it wasn't cover crop mustard, by the way. Uh, so, so he was a little disappointed. And I said, well, that, that goes with it. If you're going to buy feed oats, you may get uh, other things in there. So um, not only the, the weed aspect, but also the genetics. If you're going to take the time and effort to grow a cover crop, make sure you're growing something that is indeed applicable to uh, what your goals are. So, um, so the, try, use the cover crop seeds that will that will the, the genetics that's going to try to do what you want, but it's going to require a little bit of homework uh, to do that. So, a little bit of background information is very important. Another thing that sometimes farmers don't think about, and that is choose the correct field. And what I say by that mainly is the concern of volunteer grains from other species that are undesirable, maybe. For your approach in cover cropping. Uh, and I just put an example down there. If, if you want to have a fairly clean, pure stand of cereal rye, and you had grown wheat in that field the year before, there could theoretically be some wheat that grows up in that, and that's going to contaminate your cereal rye. Now, I'll be quick to say that if you're using your own seed, that's no big deal but if you are thinking about selling the seed that is a big deal for some people so it's just something to consider when you're choosing a field for cover crop is there anything in there that i won't be able to control that'll contaminate the genetics that uh, i want or the species that i want to do so that's why it's important to choose the correct field this isn't a big deal but it's a small little thing that can impact and make uh, more of a challenge as it needs to be if you d- indeed have options out there so a uh, number three is maybe a little bit more uh, practical and as it as it talks about the growing conditions so seeding rates and i was i struggled a little bit to know how to actually explain this but i would say the starting base is a start with close to the normal rate that you have historically used as a cover crop for for that crop just use that as a as kind of a baseline and but also not near as much as you would be plant if you're using that as a forage uh, which is when seeding rates maybe are double or more compared to a normal cover crop seeding rate so it's it's something that you need to get with experience um you know when you just like anything else uh you you plan a bushel of cereal rye and then see if that is what seems to work out for what you want maybe that's a little too late. maybe it's a little too much uh the seeding date is going to influence the seeding rate but i think the key thing to know here is it's safer to err on the lower side of a seeding rate rather than thicker and this mainly has to do about lowering the risk of lodging by the time you harvest. Because anytime anything lodges or goes down, you're, you're hurting yourself probably in yield and or quality. So this is a common mistake that people make sometimes. Their seeding rates are simply too high. Um, and I am going to talk about fertility coming up, but that is one of the things that you want to pay a lot of attention to. So I, I can't give you specifics here because there's so many different scenarios. So consider the date, the time of the year, and consider your historic, um, your, your historic um, experience. For instance, you can have a triticale, and there's lots of varieties of triticale out there. Some tiller more than others. So you may have this eating rate adjusted based on the genetic potential of tillering. And, and so that's just, again, something you're going to have to figure out in, in what you do. so, But I did want to give you a little baseline here just as a, something to work off. I listed cereal rye triticale around 70 pounds per acre. That's going to be an average fall date and uh, average conditions. So if you're later, maybe a little higher. If you're earlier, maybe a little lower. If you're higher in fertility, maybe a little lower. Uh, all these things enter in. I have oats at 60 pounds per acre. And please, that's just the starting rate to get you to think about where to start from. And I would suggest, if you've never done it before, to play around with seeding rates. Uh, stick some flags in the field so, or tr- somehow keep track of it. And then at harvest, the, it's, it's, it's very easy then to see, well, which, which seeding rate was the best. And, and I have done this uh, a lot over the years, especially with new crops. And I found that that's been very, very helpful. Um, so I just thought I'd pause here for a second before we go on. Um, and is there, is there any comments or any questions from anybody up to this point about seeding rates, genetics, and, and all that stuff? Anyone have any comments? I'd just be curious, is anybody anybody on here growing their own cover crop seed? I think you are, Lauren. Aren't you growing some urine cover crop seed? Are you still on, Lauren?
2: Yeah, we are. I mean, we're we're doing all ours in relay, so the seeding right. rates are really different.
1: Do you have any comments on this on the seeding rate part?
2: Me? Yeah. I yeah. I just said we're we're doing all ours in relay, so right. we're we're using totally different rates. Okay. And uh, you know, we're we're not going for maximum production on every one we're growing more acres i guess right Now, nope, i think that's
1: prudent that's very prudent. anyone else on here have experience of, of growing urine cover crop seed anybody okay or, or, let's move on uh, okay
0: who was that sorry uh, well steve i miss- Don. just want to ask lauren yeah, a question I- I didn't know. Is everything that he plants, he specifically, when he, the day he plants it, he's going to cut it, or does he plant some and then pick pick his best fields?
2: Uh, we're 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 always aiming for about two thirds of our acres relay right now, but it ends up down to probably half to a third. We're we're picking the best fields would probably be the simplest way. As we get it dialed, you know, as we get it dialed in, then we're going to start going heavier and heavier on acres. Right.
1: Yeah, and that's just a prudent way to approach it. I know uh, Lawrence. Uh, we'll call Lauren on the cutting edge uh, of of some of this stuff, relay uh, cropping and so forth. Uh, but uh, suffice is to say there um, there there are some times where you will intend to plant a cover crop to be raised for seed and then for whatever reason it just doesn't come through the winter or for whatever reason you just um, burn it down and and plant something else into it so uh, all these things need to be taken into consideration when you're uh when you're thinking about uh managing and your whole management strategy for for your cover cropping okay well let's move on to fertility um and, and here's the big one here in fertility be careful not to over fertilize when you're growing for seed production. Again, a common mistake. uh, And it's not just with fertilizer, even manure. uh, Overlaps of manure, where there's like double the nitrogen and then it goes down on you. Uh, That's just not good. Uh, We're talking about quality here. It's more important than quantity when we're growing for seed. And quality translates into higher percentage of germination. That's what we're trying to do. We don't really care much about that when we're growing cast grain wheat. Uh, we do indirectly, uh, but uh, fertilization w- is generally a little lighter uh, than, than your, when you have a similar type crop as a cash crop, uh, or at least until you get comfortable with, with what you're doing in your area. So uh, again, this whole thing, seeding rate and fertility, definitely you want to stick stick to the lower side. You want to lean to the lower side. So you don't have some of those uh, problems. The next one that I want to cover is uh, number five is weeds, and you know we never want weeds in our fields. Uh, but usually, where the context of weeds is, it's robbing yield uh, from our our cash crop. And you know if weeds show up, it's like well uh, that was unfortunate, or I didn't get a spray on, or I didn't manage quite right. Whatever your weed problem is. But when you have weeds in your cover crop, especially if the weed seeds are mature at a similar time that your cover crop seed is mature, and especially if those weed seeds are similar size or, or density as uh, as your, your cover crop, it's going to be mixed in your cover crop seed. And that's not good. At, even if you're raising it for yourself, that's just not good. So weeds are more of a uh, function here of keeping your seed pure so you don't plant them again when you plant your cover crop seed. So again, I'm just gonna mention here that if you do get into this and you want to, you, you, you do pretty good at it, you say, you know, I like to sell to my neighbors, I like to sell a to seed company, then you will be paying attention to weeds because uh, that's one reason why, you know, from a legal standpoint, you need to get your seed tested and you don't particularly even want noxious weeds, which sometimes can be present. Uh, things like thistles and, uh, and shatter cane and stuff like that. That's just not allowed. And you guys understand that. Uh, we don't want to be passing that stuff around. But even for your own, weed control is extremely important. So you're going to have to pay uh, astute attention to that to be able to keep the weeds out of your, of your cover crop. Number six here is harvesting the cover crop. So, since we're talking here about more of the common ones, uh, most combines have the settings listed in the owner's manual for rye, cereal rye, triticale, oats, or similar types uh, there. So, you know, it's not that difficult to get it really close to, uh, you know, once you go to the field. That's not an issue. And as I alluded to earlier, if you have some specialty type seeds. If you wanna go into that, then you're gonna to have to either talk to others or find out what types of, um, of, of different additional parts you may need in the combine to be able to do the job. So proper adjustments certainly can be obtained by a few minutes of reviewing the operator's manual, which some of us don't do right away, um, guilty as charged. But anyway, it's, uh, it's there, most of it. And again, be sure to emphasize seed quality here in harvesting anything that's cracked they're broken seed is not going to germ so um it's just something you need to be careful careful of and the other thing too of note here that most of the time you're going to have to clean your seed with a secondary seed cleaner after it gets through the combine so you can err a little bit in having a little extra chaff in your seed sample just so you can kind of keep the quality up and Maybe not thrash as hard or set the concave quite as close or, or have the fan speed down just a little bit. But I've got to tell you, if you're taking your seed to a cleaner, they're not going to be very happy if you have an exorbitant amount of chaff. Uh, so there's a very, very uh, fine line there in that. So uh, I'm just saying that, again, it depends on the situation, but seed cleaners are generally used, and that's what they're for. But don't uh, don't push your limits on that. Uh, If you want a long-term relationship with a sea cleaner, you want to send a pretty nice stuff. So I wanted to show you a few pictures here. Uh, This is actually tall fescue in the state of Washington, uh, uh, where a lot of this is grown, and Oregon's another big place. And here they have a, uh, they swath it. And the reason why a lot of the tough to grow Cover crop seeds like annual ryegrass and radishes and things like that is they swath it ahead of time so that the stems can dry out naturally. They don't have rain over the summer, and so that can do that. Uh, when you get into the east, our chances of rain is very high. You can't put it in a swath because it never dry out after a thunderstorm or after a rain event. So this is why most of the seed is grown in those drier areas over the summer and so this is just a simple pickup head in the front of a combine this happens to be uh, a tall fescue i had mentioned specialty equipment uh now this up, upper left-hand corner is a close-up between a feeder house and the in and a, and a pickup head for a radish combine this this combine is totally tricked out to harvest radishes and you can see the little airbags in there that's because there's two rollers there that go between the the feeder between the head and the feeder house and, and on, on the bottom right hand side you can actually see one of those that are that are not on the combine this gives you a view of it so this is for radishes because radishes are tough to thrash they the, the pods are tough sometimes and it's difficult even for all the adjustments you can possibly make including concave covers and everything in a combine it's difficult to get them thrashed out So this is like a pre-thrasher here. It actually smashes the pods right before it gets in the feeder house. And um, a good radish combine needs about $30,000 worth of updates to be able to do a good job at harvesting radishes. So that's why I'm saying here uh, you can try to grow some of these hard-to-grow cover crops, but uh, you're certainly not going to do a really good job unless you have the proper equipment to do it. So it's just interesting to see with the seed growing regions like the Willamette Valley of Oregon, they have special things that only local shops make. You can't buy it from the combine dealer. It's not available. It's special things that were made just to do cover crops and and grass crops and so forth. Okay, number seven is uh, cleaning the seed. So once it is uh, harvested, you're gonna have to clean the seed so it can go through a drill. The only exception would be if you're broadcasting, you wouldn't have to. Uh, And there again, it depends, you know, the quality seed you have and so forth. Um, And if you're doing your own, you know, that's fine. If you're broadcasting it out like Lloyd does on here, uh, you really probably wouldn't need to clean it. Uh, But I will say it's rarely clean enough to come out of a combine and and go through a drill. And it, it may surprise you because just a few little pieces of straw or just a few on thrust heads, can clog up one of the uh, the drill uh, rows and and it's just not good um it's a pain and sometimes you don't see it right away and there's a missing row and then weeds grow up there i'm saying if you're going to do the job do it right and uh and get the seed cleaned so um the other thing is mobile uh, seed cleaners can come to your farm in certain in some regions they're available And they basically are set up to clean basic seeds like cereal rye, triticale, oats, that kind of stuff. Then you can also have some local grain cleaners or or co-op. They may have the equipment there. And if you know them and have a good relationship with them, they may allow you to run your seed through their system. Uh, That doesn't work everywhere. It does somewhere. I'm actually doing it here in my area. I also – we have a mobile seed cleaner that comes in. I'm going to show you in a picture in a second. And then also – Uh, Here's one for you. You can run your cover crop seed through the combine the second time. So uh, I got to show you that um, coming up here. But this is just a commercial seed cleaner. Some of these are worth millions of dollars that have, although they have sometimes laser operated uh, components in there that take out off color seed. Um, But this is what you'll see in a commercial seed cleaner. Um, They don't all have to be this big. I've been in many of these places in Oregon where the industry is. And it is quite impressive to see what can go in and then the nice uh, clean seed that'll come out, especially the hard to hard to clean, light fluffy stuff. Uh, it's amazing what what is uh, been able to accomplish. Um, this next one here is a mobile seed cleaner. This is at my place. Um, this is just a guy that comes in on a truck. It's kind of a small deal, but it does a pretty nice job at doing some basic seed cleaning um, and for things like cereal rye and, and uh, so forth. I'll just say of note, this was many years ago. This picture was taken when I first started producing radishes, and uh, I'll just say that what 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 we sold then would never be allowed to be sold today, or no one would want to buy it, because we just it was difficult to get it clean. We just got it clean enough to run through a drill, and back in those days, nobody really cared. It was there any radish on the market, and it worked. Uh, but then again, once uh, once it started taking off, then we had to do a better job. The mobile cleaner was not a good enough. Uh, cleaner for that but these are an option out there for things like cereal rye triticale oats and then those type. or you can um re-clean it with your combine now i gotta i gotta make note this is actually monty Bottons, one of our members uh this was just taken about two weeks ago and i've heard of this being done before but he's using his combine that harvested the seed and running it through the second time and so he's putting it directly into the combine and using the combine components. Now, I would say this is maybe a place to start doing this. Uh, it's certainly not for everybody, but I, I wanted to show it because there's there's some of you out there, you'll, you would love this kind of a challenge. Uh, again, he's growing his own seed to be used in his own equipment. So it's not that it has to be perfect, but it's a way to get the job done. Uh, so that's just... Uh, Just an interesting thing to note there. Uh, Number eight is testing the seed. Um, I would suggest that, uh, first of all, just say it's not legally required, of course, if it's yourself. But especially if your seed is questionable, if you had a bad year or wet year and you don't know what the germ is, it's very easy to take your own germination test. Um, And you can just take a a paper towel and, uh, count out a hundred seeds. Uh, that's not a whole lot. Um, put them in a paper towel, put the paper towel in a, like a one quarter, or one gallon, a Ziploc bag, and just put some water in there, enough that's completely soaking wet. Zip, zip the, uh, the Ziploc bag shut and just put it on your desk or somewhere in the house where you can see it. And about five days later, look at it and see how much is germing and maybe for a week and see see what it is. You can very quickly tell, is it pretty much all germinating or is hardly any of it germinating or where are you at? Because you don't want to waste your own seed and your money if, if only half of it's germinated or if it's like 100% germ or high germ, maybe you can use a lower rate. So that's just some of the little techniques there that you can do, if especially if you're not really sure. Now, if it was a great growing year, uh, I'm not saying you have to do this. you You certainly can if you just are curious to see what's possible. but it's one of those things that uh, is is very uh, very easy to do uh, in that regard. Okay, wrapping up here, uh, I just put the last one here, start small. If you have no experience growing your own seed, uh, don't don't go out there and 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 just you know grow hundreds of acres of it the first time. Uh, if you want to do that, understand the risk. Make your mistakes small. Um, there's, some of this stuff seems rather simple, uh, and, and, and sometimes there may be a little nuance that you never thought about. Ask others for advice, people in your area that have been doing it. i got to tell you a quick story here, and then I want to open up the uh, lines here for all of you. Uh, get your questions ready. Uh, so I started growing black oats as a cover crop it's becoming popular at least in my area here and uh i think this is my yeah this is my third year growing it so uh black oats is a very nice uh cover crop the weak the weak part of it though is it doesn't stand very well so of course if we want to take it for seed production we want it to stand through harvest and i found that out the first year it was literally flat in the ground. it was ready to harvest and it was we got to in order to pick it up we got a lot of dirt uh came through just to try to get all we could so i was told that you should use a growth regulator uh to shorten it up a little bit and so i thought okay i'll do that and then i was talking to the guy on the phone and i asked him when to put it on and i what i heard him say over the phone was at the boot stage well um, now, having experience with growth regulators before, I sprayed when I just saw the very, very first heads coming, the boot stage of the black oats, and it didn't seem to really work. So we talked about this again, and, and I said, now, when did you say you're supposed to put that on? He said, when it's as high as your boot. Oh, that's a lot different than boot stage. In other words, you know, so I said, oh, you mean six to eight inches? He said, yes. So there was a miscommunication right there that I lost a whole year of uh, optimal production because I didn't hear him correctly. So uh, (laughs) it's just kind of a funny story to tell you. But again, you know, that's why you start small and you go from there. So now this past year, I put the growth regulator on at eight inches and it was a beautiful uh, stand. Matter of fact, that was the opening picture that you saw. There was of my stand of my uh, black oats. So, a small story there, Dude, just to just to tell you that uh, it's good to it's good to to hear get advice from others, but make sure you're communicating correctly. So. <laughs> Okay, before I totally wrap this up, I'd like to hear uh, from any of you any questions you might have, uh, comments or uh, or anything else. So who who's who's
0: first? Hey, this is Don. This is just yeah, I, and I'm not sure if it's a con- Oh, excuse me. I'm not sure how much of a concern it is. This came up when we started talking about cover crops here. I had a guy in a county who who raised seed wheat, uh, and he was very hesitant to use these same seeding or cleaning equipment to clean cover crops that he would clean seed wheat with because he said he could never get it totally out. Has that been something anybody else has experienced? Well, I will comment on that. Um, It is you got
1: to know what you're doing to clean out a machine. Um, And there is something to be said about that. And I'm glad you brought that up, Don. I I should have listed that. Matter of fact, I'm going to write that down here. I need to add that to this uh, presentation Um, because it will surprise you. You can't just run 20 bushel through as a buffer. In other words, let's say you were doing seed wheat, okay? Then you switch back to cereal rye and you run 20 bushel through and then you're thinking, well, okay, now I got straight cereal rye and then when you're done, I'm going to run 20 bushel wheat and I'm going to be back to doing wheat. No, no, no. It does not work that way. I'm here to tell you, I know, I know. Um, You have to physically clean it out. A lot of guys use air, uh, and they take the screens out, and they get in there, and they blow it out, and they just get every nook and cranny cleaned out. Same in a combine. If you're combining wheat, and you go to a cover crop of triticale or oats or anything, it'll go for hundreds of bushels till it's all filtered through and cleaned out uh so if you're growing for your own yeah, i mean i would say who cares if there's a little wheat in my cereal rye i really don't care i'm not going to spend the time and effort to blow out a combine if it's for my own seed but if you're growing it for others or if you do want to be really really particular for whatever reason depending on what the other crop is the transitional crop it is it is critical to do a bang-up job in, in cleaning out your combine or your uh, your grain cleaner. So thanks for bringing that up, Don. Uh, something I overlooked that should have been included here.
0: Um, so, so yes. I know we, we raised some seed of wheat in this area, and uh, I've seen uh, probably grad students out roguing uh, wheat, roguing the rye heads out of it. Yep. Uh, and that's that's another good point,
1: Don. Um, you're 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 really adding to my presentation here today. Uh, if if you obviously rye is easy to see if it's in wheat because it's taller. But um, for instance, I grew this black oats this year. Well, you know I'm going to have a, a small percentage of volunteer, uh, like triticale around because I use triticale. And so we walked the fields twice and pulled out triticale, just a plant here and there, uh, because I was growing my black oats to sell it. So I, I don't want it contaminated um, in that regard. Uh, but uh, so that's a having a clean field. Again, it comes down to how fussy are you as a farmer? If I'm just growing cover crop for myself and there's a little cereal rye in my oats, I, I don't care. I'm not going to spend any time at all taking it out. Uh, it's not going to be a big deal, but if I'm going to use that seed and then plant next year again as a cover crop, pretty soon you're going to have quite a a mix of uh, of species because it's going to just repeat itself and magnify itself. And and not that that's wrong, but if you want to try to control your species and the ratios and everything, then at some point you want to be uh, trying to keep the seed as pure as possible uh, in 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 doing that. Um, so it just it just it's just things to know so that you can decide what is most important to you. How pure does it need to be, I guess, is the question for your situation. Other comments? Okay, I want to uh, uh, say one more. Uh, I have kind of a bonus here for you all um, that, I, as, a, as you know me, I us- usually do, uh, and that is in spite of what I just said, that is growing cover crop mixes, Uh, literally uh, mixing together different species and planting them. Um, As I alluded to at the very beginning that I found to grow hairy vetch, I need to grow it with a more of an erect type of a plant to be able to hold it up so that it can uh, stay above the ground. So it can be easier to harvest. So just recently here, I have I've kind of took taking that up a step or two uh, where I guess you would call this companion cropping I'm growing oil seed rape hairy vetch and Austrian winter peas all together just look at that picture there uh, you can see there's some peas in there there's some oil seed rape and vetch the oil seed rape will probably get ready a week to two weeks sooner than the peas and the vetch but there uh, is an opportunity there I'm using the oil seed rape as the trellis to be able to hold up my peas and my vetch. The oilseed rape is using the nitrogen that those legumes produce so that it can grow. And here's where we can really just don't have problems with weeds because these are fairly aggressive. The oilseed rape is a little bit more aggressive in the fall. And then the peas and the the vetch comes on strong in the spring, very good weed control here. And the nice thing about it is the vetch and the oilseed rape, even though they're smaller than the peas, they thrash really easily. So you can set the combine for peas, essentially. You're not going to chew up your vetch or your oilseed rape because they thrash so easily. And then uh, probably the, the ratio is not going to be correct. It's going to be way more rape than you need uh, on, on, in the ratio of this mix that's planted. But you can separate those three because the sizes are so different. Uh, Now, that doesn't mean you get 100% separation, but you can separate them enough with screens so that you can kind of remix or reallocate wherever you want to. So uh, this is just something that I'm doing. Um, I'll I'll just tell you, I grew 12 acres this past year. We're up and that to 24 acres this year. Uh, I am growing this to sell. Uh, We're able to separate these out enough that that they're 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 marketable so for me cover crops are now a cash crop and this is so cool because i can grow these things with no herbicides other than a burn down planting if need be and then no fertilizer i'm growing crops with no fertilizer here that to me is exciting when we can do it and um so i just wanted to throw that in there uh for for what i'm doing so any questions on on that or uh, i know some of you are trying some some cool stuff but any questions on on uh kind of taking it up a notch like this
2: anyone steve lauren here that's kind of the mindset why we're doing the relay it helps yep. keep the small grain standing yep i mean it's pretty cool when you see the beans starting to push the rye or wheat or barley vertical yeah, and, and I yeah. Mean, it where it can't go down so right Hey, Steve, what
1: is meant by relay? Lauren, why don't you answer that? Pardon? What is meant by relay cropping? Could you explain that?
2: Uh, we're staggering planting dates, and, uh, you know, the, on a small grain, we'll put that in the fall, and then the spring will come in and drop the soybeans, and we've even, as far as uh, soon as the small grain comes off, we'll drop buckwheat in if we have time, and then harvest buckwheat and the soybeans together.
0: Okay. So
1: you're, bas- yeah, so you're basically planting multiple uh, species uh, very intentionally, very strategically. This is top-level management for what we know today. Um, and it is a, a direction going that's going in, in basically overall cropping. I mean, I think this is really based off what we learned from cover crops about the synergies of mixed species that we're now trying to apply that to our cash crops. Uh, now, now in this in this case here for me, what I just explained to you that yes, that's cover crops, but I'm growing it. That's a cash crop for me because I'm selling the seed. Uh, so for me, it's a cash crop. Um, so, so uh, Chad asked here, what uh, what is the northern line for the three cover crops that for for these three cover crops here about overwintering? Um, well. I would have to say it's going to vary a little bit. Uh, but if you would say anywhere north of I-80, you're going to start getting in a questionable area there, at least in the, in the U.S. Um, but it, it certainly would vary a little bit. Depends if your area gets snow cover, how cold it gets in the winter. Um, and I would say this will work wherever these species have worked individually. Um, and so I, a, little, a little hard to uh, answer that uh totally, Chad, but uh, appreciate the question. I don't have a specific answer other than if you can grow vetch, if you can grow peas, if you can grow oil seed, rape, or canola, um, this would, would stand a chance to to maybe try it.
2: Well, in in that case, you'd start looking more like what Derek Axton and I think a few of the other guys up in Saskatchewan are doing. and uh-huh. Andy's doing some of it up there with the Pola and I mean, they've got uh-huh. how many different mixes. Right, you you have to tailor it to your area.
1: That's that's exactly right, Lauren. It's it's got to be. And I'm I'm showing this as an idea. There's there's other people doing different things. This is what's working for me. It's very very critical for me to have a species in a mix that holds up the viney type species here. Or, or I can't I cannot grow hairy vetch by itself. Uh, it just is it's worthless here in the east. Uh, it goes flat in the ground. Same with peas, I can never harvest them, uh, so I have to grow them with something else, and we can't swath them either, um, so that's not an option. So, what what is going to work in your area is where you need to be thinking. Um, so, I, it's good to see uh, Galen on here. I believe Galen's one of our newer members. Galen, do you have any questions or comments, observations? If you have your yeah, good. Yep, I'm on here. Um, good. Great information. I actually, I work for dough Fresh Vegetables here in California and okay. we're doing a few cover crops, but also my brother and I have a small farm in Texas dry land and we're doing, started doing cover crops and no teal. So okay. I'm trying to as much as I can. Well, that's awesome. Well, it's good to have you here. So are you actually working in California now?
2: yes
1: have well, you
2: ever ran going, a- going okay.
1: to texas regionally. okay have you ever ran across jeff mitchell with uc davis
0: yes yes gotcha
1: well he's probably one of the leading cover crop guys in california so uh i've right. been out there i've been out in uh, in the uh, san joaquin valley three times with him and uh, that's a whole different world uh as i'm, I'm sure you can attest yes definitely so <laughs> Well, good. Well, glad to have you a uh, part of the group. Now, uh, any uh, any other? Yep, you're welcome. Any other questions from anybody?
0: Steve, it's Dawn again. This yeah, has come Don. up uh, in Indiana as we talk about trying to raise some of our own cover crops. Based mm-hmm. on our extremely high humidity, that it can have yep. a fairly significant problem with germination of seed production. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yep. Do you have that issue out mm-hmm. there? Or? Yes
1: yes we do and we're, we're they're, they're, it's it's kind of a, a catch-22 there's a there's a reason why most of the cover crops are grown in dry land areas that's simply because the quality is so much better um and but that being said i look at it this way one in five years we get a good uh a, say a good spring early summer that we can get good quality seed and one in five probably it's just very bad. Um, and then the other years, you know, it can go either way. So, but there's enough demand for seed and, uh, certain, uh, species, uh, actually within the species, uh, for instance, there was this, uh, triticale that I really liked and, uh, it was, uh, bred in Canada and uh, it, it it was a it was a great cover crop, but we tried to grow it here a couple years, and it just got it got diseased like crazy. It just was not resistant to any disease. It was impractical to grow it in the east because of what you just said. It just would not grow. But it was a fantastic cover crop if you could grow it, you know, as a cover crop, planted in the fall and terminate it, you know, before your cash crop or something like that. But for seed production, not good. That's why I said at the very beginning of this call uh, that. You have to find out if the seed that you like, the traits that you like, if you can actually grow those seeds in your area. And that's why I don't want anyone to go whole hog on something that's not been tested. I've been there. I've done that. Uh, this, this triticale that I got out of Canada is awesome. But I only got 20 bushel to the acre and it was crappy seed. It just does not grow in the east with our high humidity. But the variety is great when planted as a cover crop so that's just a good example there of exactly what you were saying
2: steve lauren here again the lesson we've learned on that is once the grain gets close to maturity mm-hmm. you've got to harvest it and if needed dry it if it gets dry and then gets yep. rewet your germination yep. goes fast
1: yep yep it's only fit once is what we like to say there's only one day that it's fit the best and uh and that's that's, again, for those of us who's, who are in a more of a high rainfall environment, uh, that's a thing that we need to deal with uh, in, in managing that. Uh, you're exactly right, Lauren. Uh, and thanks for bringing that up. So I'll just summarize here. A growing your own cover crop seeds certainly has merit for some. It's not for anybody. It's not for everybody. you got to be a good manager. You have to embrace it. Do your homework. Have a strategic plan for seed production. And then reap the rewards of lower cost uh, cover crop seed. And I would say, you, you know, if you're really if you're really pushing the pencil, uh, sometimes it's not as as cheap maybe to grow your own seed, depending on what yields you get and all things included. But for some, it's just like the satisfaction of being able to do your own thing is, is worth it. So you so see, it's it's going to be up to you. But I just wanted to share some of the things, uh, you know, in that regard. Okay, I just want to say that next week, I'm going to try to take a, a different turn on my topics uh, here. We're going to talk about setting up cover crops for no-till vegetable success. Uh, it's something that I have a lot of experience in myself because I grow pumpkins and I had grown tomatoes in the past. I've grown sweet corn with cover crops in the past. Um, so I know for some of you, this is probably not applicable as much. But uh, I, again, this is a topic where some people have asked me to cover. And I wanted to do it. So, but now we'll say next week is not going to be on Tuesday because I'm speaking up in New York State. <clears throat> I'm planning on doing it on Friday of next week. So you'll get information on that. So I know our <clears throat> time is running out here, uh, but I always like to ask for any other cover crop question you might have wanted. Uh, so I'll just be brief. Is there any other cover crop question that you've been wanting to ask uh, this week? Anybody?
2: I have a comment this is aaron go ahead aaron i was just thinking about that question back a couple where we were talking about the rape and uh Mm -hmm. vetch and what else do you have growing there Mm -hmm. um where where that would overwinter and i've seen here in nebraska that it's it's basically uh the usda plant hardiness zone map Mm -hmm. um we see minimal success in five b but it's mm. really, it's a guarantee in 6a and that's so then, that in Kansas. Okay. So you can see, if you look at that map, it's, it's angled across the United States. Mm. And so yeah. to say I 80 for us, that doesn't make sense because we're, I know. we're, we're above the line out here. Yeah. Um, but, but those plant hardiness zones do, do outline that pretty close. So just for your reference.
1: Right, no, I appreciate that, and I hesitated to use that uh, I eighty reference. It is a very, very general, but uh, but yeah, they didn't make the road according to the plant hardiness road, uh, zone lines. But uh, anyway, It does work uh, most of the times though. Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, anybody else? Any comments, questions? Uh, any cover crop question at all?
0: I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say I'm looking forward to next week then. Okay, oh, I, good uh, I uh, yesterday I planted my garlic in my garden. okay, and I used a soil probe so that mm-hmm. I didn't have to dig up the soil. I just pulled out oh. the core of soil, dropped the garlic in, and put the soil back in so that sounds
1: gonna... <laughs> sounds like you're you're a committed no tiller right there. <laughs> I'm, well it's also uh committed to not having to do all the work of oh I hear goodness. you. Oil. It's just a lot easier. So the perks. That's the perks of the system. So. Indeed. Well, okay. Well, hey, thank you, everybody. I appreciate your support. I appreciate your questions and and uh, interaction here. Uh, until next week, you guys have a good week. See yeah. ya.